There is no state in the United States that bought ventilators for the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. The federal government did not buy ventilators for the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. Uh, nobody in the world bought ventilators in preparation for a 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranik, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. Taylor, what do we have up for today? So today we're going to be listening to a press conference that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo did on the latest response to the coronavirus. Now, he's been doing these press conferences every so often, but this one was really interesting. And in particular, we're going to be talking about the question and answer section where reporters are, of course, spaced around the room, but they've brought some tough questions with them. And as the governor covers in his conference, you know, New York is currently the epicenter. They've got now 10 times as many cases as any other state. And so he's going to be looking to persuade the public and the federal government to preferentially allocate resources to New York. And to aid him in that, he's brought with him a doctor who is kind of a yes man, who is happy to smile and defend any explanation in which he gives. And you're going to hear why as we get into these clips here. And we've picked out of this whole press conference the most persuasive moments of his whole speech to share with you. And there's some really good ones in here. Now, before we get to that, um, since you're listening to this, we know that you enjoy this type of commentary. And during uncertain times, like what we're going through, this type of commentary is more important than ever. And since you enjoy this type of deep dive into political persuasion, consider supporting our mission here. So each month we have server costs as well as the time spent developing the show. Now we're close to meeting our goal for this month, which means that it's now time to chip in. Your support today keeps us on the air tomorrow, which is for now completely ad-free. So please chip in to keep the show on the air. And you can find the link in the show notes as well as going to our website at www.com subliminallycorrect.com and clicking the support us link in the menu bar. So now let's get to the first clip. There was a report in 2015 where the state suggested or a task force suggested maybe New York should increase its stockpile. Any reason that that wasn't done? Jimmy, that's not the fact and you know it. Read the fact checkers on it. There was an advisory commission called Law and the Life, Life and the Law, that had a chart in 2015 that said if you had the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, you may need X number of ventilators. There is no state in the United States 
that bought ventilators for the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. The federal government did not buy ventilators for the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. Uh, nobody in the world bought ventilators in preparation for a 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. And so here we have a really great moment where Cuomo does what Cuomo really does best. He is, you know, sort of that natural politician where, you know, he's really in the weeds of what's going on and can quickly turn a question back on the questioner. Here we have this uh, reporter named Jimmy who is, you know, asking a question about the stockpile and why it wasn't increased previously. And Cuomo is able to turn that question, really reframe it. He starts with, you know, Jimmy, that's not the fact and you know it. Read the fact checkers on it. So what this does right here is it turns the question back on the questioner. And, you know, now the listener right here uh, has a question as to whether or not that's a legitimate question in the first place. And so regardless of what the answer is or what the truth is or what the fact check actually is, it doesn't matter anymore because that thought, that question has already been planted in the listener's mind that maybe, you know, this is an unfair question and the reporter is just out to get a gotcha on Cuomo. And, uh, you know, it almost doesn't matter what the truth is anymore at this point. So this is a really interesting moment here because this um, conference was done apparently right after Cuomo had had a conference with the White House and with Donald Trump. And so during his speech, he's talking about how he'd like to thank the president and for their cooperation. And he'd like to thank, you know, Jared Kushner and Kushner is a New Yorker and he really gets it. And this is a complete 180 to what he's been doing. Okay. Because Cuomo has been really attacking Trump, you know, massively over what New York needs and Trump's failure to address it. He's been going after him. In fact, I actually watched the day before he recorded this one, literally the day before he, he recorded another press conference, and it was completely about going after Trump. And so within a day, he completely changed the way that he was you know, framing this. And so what the reporter is alluding to here is that um, while Trump and Cuomo were fighting, Trump had actually quoted from a report and, you know, Trump said uh, Cuomo had a chance to buy ventilators in 2015, 16,000 ventilators at a very low price, and he turned it down. And so this was something that Trump was going after Cuomo for. Um, by the way, the fact check on this says that it is mixed in terms of what the actual answer is. Um, but you definitely hear that ability here for Cuomo to just turn it around. And what I like about this is that he says that 1918, 1918, <laughs> you know, Spanish flu pandemic. And, he, you know, there's no state who bought ventilators for the 1918. He keeps saying it in that way. And so as he describes it again and again and again, his frame here is, well, that was a really long time ago. That doesn't really matter anymore. What we're focused on is right here, right now. And so even what Trump said I did in you know 2015, that doesn't matter either because that wasn't 1918. And so he's doing this really, you know, kind of time shift here between the two, helping people to see 
that it is um, the the question is a little bit absurd, but he completely kind of outframes the questioner. And, you know, as Alex said, this is exactly the type of thing that he is really good at. And we're actually going to be hearing um, more of that here a little bit later on. Now, in this next clip here, we're going to be listening to a question about the regulations. And, you know, there's this question that comes in about rolling back regulations, which, as we know, is a big thing that the Trump administration likes to do for every, you know, one new regulation. We're going to cut two old ones. Um, So let's listen to how Cuomo, who is a Democrat, answers this question about how they are now cutting regulations. Should patients be concerned at all about the rollbacks of some regulations, you know, including record keeping, medical malpractice protections and other, you know, regulations that have been rolled back? Doctor? We're looking at those issues as well. There there are some concerns that have been raised, but we, we, as we mentioned uh, and uh, in a previous press conference, the governor said that we should look at our rules and regulations and adapt accordingly. So we're going to do that as well. Governor, we did waive. I was on the phone with all the hospital administrators. Uh, the Department of Health. I'm going to say this in a nice way. Don't worry. Department of Health has multiple regulations to run the best health system in the United States of America. And those regulations make it so. The regulations can sometimes get in the way of expedition and facilitation and mobilization. So we said, in this case, we're going to relax many of the regulations so they can staff up, they can increase capacity. You know, you ask a hospital to double capacity. We have all sorts of space regulations. You have to be, so you need flexibility for them to do what we're asking them to do. So here we hear a reporter asking the question, shouldn't you not roll back regulations um, on the healthcare industry in New York? And, you know, we have Cuomo here using some really good alliteration. You know, he says that, you know, the, the, um, you know, the healthcare system, the regulations make it so the regulations can get in the way of expedition and facilitation and mobilization. And he uses those, I don't know if he had planned this previously or if this is some sort of thing that he does very frequently, but it's really interesting the way he you know, demarcates his speech in that way and sort of uses the alliteration um, to make it seem as though you know, he's more in control and you know, knows more of what the, uh, the goings-on of the healthcare industry in New York actually are by just using these phrases that you know, make it seem as though he knows exactly what's happening. He doesn't actually give any details here at all. There's no details at all. He's just you know, using these very vague phrases and you know, answers the question without really you know, giving a, a, a very big answer other than, no, regulations get in the way. Um, and so he's just emphasizing the, the need for f- flexibility here for them to do what they're asking them to do. But he's not getting, in again, into any details here, really talking about ex- specifically which regulations and why they're being pulled back and what's what that's going to do to heal people faster. You know, he what he's doing here is he's appealing to values and really broadening the scope, what's called chunking up on the question, to higher values, 
uh, higher ideals, higher, more abstract ideas than actually the nitty gritty of the regulation that maybe the questioner here might have actually wanted. Yeah. And as he talks about these words, they sound specific, right? Expedition and facilitation and mobilization. It's like, oh, that kind of sounds specific. But these are all examples of nominalizations. These are all large words that actually encompass multiple facets of experience. We don't know exactly what he's talking about, but he describes it in such a big way that it it really kind of sounds like, oh, he's really on top of this. He knows what it is that he's doing. I love this part here where he says, you know, the doctor kind of gives his thing and then he says, I'm going to say this in a nice way here. (laughs) You know, he kind of he has this way of just interspersing this with these really kind of snappy little jokes here that he talks about. And so he says, we have the best health system here in America. Uh, The regulations make it so. But then he talks about how regulations are not good. And he gives an example of things like space regulations in terms of beds. But you know what? That wasn't the question, really, that the reporter wanted to answer, wanted to answer to. Because are we really concerned about the amount of space, you know, in the hospital? Okay, we can all understand that. But in a way, Cuomo takes the most simple, obvious part of that question throws it back and says, well, this is why we're ignoring it. This is why, you know, we're talking about that. And so, and he's also talking about how he's going to relax many of the regulations, right? We're not going to eliminate them. We're not going to even roll them back. We're going to relax them. And so relaxing things always sounds, you know, kind of like a nice, uh, a nice way of doing it. Now in this next clip here, we're going to be listening to him establishing some credibility and telling us exactly what he knows about the Washington bureaucracy. Let's take a listen. 78 to be active. No. I can't. You need to be a congressperson. You need to be a senator. I've communicated with all of them. I understand the Washington bureaucracy. I was there. Uh, but... I passed bills when I was HUD secretary. I know how hard it is, but I also know how high the stakes are here. You look at the loss in the revenue, what you guys have been talking about to me, how do you do a state budget with that dramatic loss in revenue? And uh, Rob Mejica has been saying, well, the federal government is going to pass a stimulus package that uh, delivers additional funding to state governments. Okay, here's the package. It gives us $3.8 billion. The whole is as big as, as high as $15 billion. How do you plug a $15 billion hole with $3.8 billion? You don't. Thank you, Governor. Uh, how do you respond to the uh, mentality out there, the philosophy that the cure is worse than the disease, and the suggestion by the president that uh, he might want to open up the country by Easter? Look, I believe, I think it's part part language, right? Nobody will say it it is sustainable to keep the economy closed. It is not sustainable. We all get that. China got it, South Korea got it, et cetera. That's point one. Point two, everyone 
agrees, I believe, in this state, we do everything we can to save a life. We are not going to triage and say, well, these were old people, these were vulnerable people, uh, they had to die sometime soon anyway, so let's move on. Uh, I don't believe any American believes that. I know uh, New Yorkers don't believe that. And as governor of the state of New York, I can swear to you, I would never do that. All right. So here, Cuomo is really establishing for us his credibility, talking about his time at HUD. I understand the Washington bureaucracy. I was there. I know how hard it is, he says, to pass a bill. But I also know how high the stakes are. So he establishes this credibility of what, why you should listen to him. And then once he has established that credibility, now he tells you about the things that he knows. See, if he told you what he knew before the credibility, maybe you wouldn't believe him. But when he gives you then the credibility, this is why you should listen. And then he says, I know this, but I also know this other thing. And that's a nice little language pattern there, right? I know X, but I also know this other thing. I know how hard it is to pass a bill, but I also know how high the stakes are. So think about what that does, right? It, it takes the first thing and it acknowledges it, the passing the bill, it acknowledges it, but it kind of disclaims it in a way. It's like, okay, well, I know that, but you know, that's there. But what's really important is this other thing. And then he's, you know, going on to talk about this package, right? Here's the package. And this is one of those ideas of extended quotes. This is what a person is telling him. Here's the package, he says, as if they're saying it to him. It gives us $3.8 billion. And then he makes this big emphasis with his voice. The whole is as high as $15 billion. And then he says, how do you plug a $15 billion hole with $3.8 billion? You don't. So think about now, this has been a visual imagery that he's created. You can imagine this hole in this package. I don't know who has delivered it. Was it UPS or FedEx or, you know, you got this package that isn't going to be plugged by this hole. And so he has given you a representation so that you can see, okay, well, this hole is 15. Whatever they give us has to be more than that. And again, this is part of his persuading everyone that New York you know, needs more money. And he really is going to um, keep emphasizing that again and again and again throughout his speech. Yeah, Cuomo really does a great job here of, again, you know, sort of embodying the um, combative sort of common sense governor here who knows how it all works. And so he talks about his time in the bureaucracy. Again, like Taylor said, I know this, but I also know that. And, you know, from, you know, referencing his experience as HUD secretary, which, you know, does how much does that really translate to this exact problem right here? But, you know, I guess it leads to credibility to his uh, dealing with bureaucracy. He also goes into that language there of how do you plug the $15 billion hole with $3.8 billion? But he says it like this. He's like, you don't. And he sort of leans back in his chair 
as if it's obvious for everybody. And of course, you know, the reporter, you know, you know, must be, you know, an idiot or must not know what he's talking about or, or whatever it is sort of leads to that common sense. Everybody knows that it only has to work this way that I'm saying it. But then he goes into this bit about, you know, the, the he's asked, how do you respond to the cure is worse than the disease? You know, like the president is saying, you know, the, the country's going to be open by Easter. And so what he does here is he really broadens it out. And so he, he's like, look, the language, it's not sustainable. We get that. And, um, you know, he's using pacing right there to, again, demarcate his language by stopping and, you know, almost making it seem as though, again, this is a, you know, outrageous question. By broadening it out, everybody believes in this state, we do everything we can to save a life. He says everybody believes. It's universal quantifiers because, you know, everyone believes this and it's mind reading well everyone believes it what about you know this i I guarantee you in new york city i could find one person who doesn't believe that and then his value appeals it's you know taking the actual question about you know logistics about the economy about healthcare, and he you know sets that aside and goes into talking about you know saving a life and how important that actually is. And so, you know, that's how he's able to pivot from actual policy and actual, you know, prescriptions for dealing with this problem to, you know, just appealing to people's, you know, gut senses and their higher values there. And, you know, how this is, you know, much broader and much more important than the actual details of opening by Easter. And he says, you know, we're not going to say these older people, you know, these are older people, they they lived a good life, we're going to let them go and triage them and move on. You know, I don't believe that any American believes that. Again, those universal quantifiers there, I don't believe any American believes that. And he says, as governor of New York, I can swear to you, I would never do that. And so, again, that language of... He's swearing. He's so adamant about it. Obviously, this is the right course of action because I'm swearing by it. And nobody else believes that this is the right course of action. Any American, he is including apparently Trump in that question right there, right? He doesn't believe that Trump believes it. The reporter believes it, that anybody believes that. And so it's almost like, why is that even a question? Why is that even uh, um, an, an objection in the first place? You know, you see other politicians do that. You see Trump do that a lot, where he turns the question back onto the reporter. You see Chris Christie does a really great job of this, of, you know, back when he was running New Jersey, people asked him questions. He was able to flip the question around. You know, he, he would actually call the reporter an idiot for asking that question and call them names and bully them almost. But it's sort of a way to, you know, uh, plant that seed of doubt, plant those ideas in the listener that, well, maybe this isn't a fair question to be asked. And obviously, my way is the right way. And, and that's what makes Cuomo here particularly effective. Now, in this next clip, we're going to be listening to what I think is really my favorite segment of this whole press conference that he does. Because it goes over several things, and there's an interesting little exchange he has here with a reporter 
where he does a real hypnotic confusion technique um, that, again, just shows him acting on and thinking on his feet. And uh, take a listen for this, and I think you're going to be surprised at how well he actually handles these tough questions. So then you have two, uh, two parallel thoughts. You have to get the economy running, and you have to protect every life that you can. I believe there's a more refined strategy than we are now talking about. Uh, I don't think it's binary. I don't think you close down the whole economy, which is what we did. I did too. And then open up the whole society to business as usual. We now have learned that there's a risk stratification quotient. Younger people have less risk. People who had the virus and are resolved have less risk. Start that economy by bringing in those recovered people, those younger people who are less at risk, and start moving that machine that way. Start restarting the economy that way, which is also the best public health uh, strategy, right? To the extent you have a young person who's going out to the park, not playing basketball, because they're not allowed to do that, but they're going out, they're talking to friends, etc. They're then coming back into the house with an older person. That is not a good public health strategy. So there is a path that refines the public health strategy and starts growing the economy. And I think that's what we have to, uh, that's what we have to work through. Does the Feds roll back their restrictions to you? Go ahead. Well, if the Feds roll back their restrictions, does that affect you? I mean, do you automatically roll back? Do you keep in place according to your own speed? The federal government has done guidelines. They call them guidelines because they are guidelines. Uh, and then states can follow the guidelines. States can, can uh, fashion the guidelines to fit their specific circumstance. There's no doubt that New York has a different and bigger problem than anywhere else in the country, right? That's every number you see. That's every fact you know. So uh, there's no doubt we have a greater challenge here in New York density, numbers, and one of the most intense economies. So uh, that all has to be taken into consideration. And I don't think there is any cookie cutter. You know, what works for New York, I don't know necessarily is going to work for Tulsa or uh, San Antonio. So we'll come up with a plan that works for New York. And the federal government isn't saying we mandate anything. They're saying we're offering guidelines. What do you make of the president's uh, uh, team saying that anyone who's visited New York City should self-quarantine for two weeks? And second question, will you self-quarantine since you were in New York City yesterday? Self-quarantine in New York State? The president's team said anyone who traveled to New York City should self-quarantine for two weeks. In New York? In New York City. No, I don't think if you were in New York City, you must quarantine in New York State. You don't have to go back to New York City to quarantine. So I'm going to quarantine what, what, in New York what, State. What do you make of that, that uh, dictum, and what, what will you do that is a That is a medical advisory. The uh, uh, most important thing in life is to know what you don't know. I don't know uh, medicine. 
I would turn to the doctor. So, so I think you need to follow the CDC guidelines, and the CDC guidelines recommend that you stay a distance away, social distancing as well, whether it's in New York or not. Uh, and this is beyond New York, as the government has mentioned. It's not just in New York that these cases. But the feds are saying that if you've been in New York City, you should quarantine for two weeks, right? I, I, would, I would not uh, follow that. I, I believe that uh, you should follow the guidelines in general, that you should social distance. And if you were in New York and you go somewhere else, uh, there, these cases are all over, this, uh, all over the country. It's not just New York. We are at the forefront, as the governor has said, but it's elsewhere. And so here we've got Cuomo sort of laying out this idea, these, this thought that, you know, we've got two different thoughts in our head. We've got, you know, start the economy or, you know, keep everybody quarantined. Uh, and it doesn't have to be one or the other. There's nuance in between the two of these. And so, you know, what he's doing here is, um, again, broadening it out, taking out all the specifics and making it a, a stark contrast, almost like a straw man argument. And then, you know, breaking it into, you know, these pieces here where, you know, he starts with the federal government has these guidelines. <laughs> he says they call them guidelines because they are guidelines, which that sentence right there means absolutely nothing. And yet, you know, the point he's trying to get across, I guess, is that the guidelines should not be taken as seriously as, you know, say laws or, you know, specific prescriptions of, of action. And so he's, he's almost like minimizing the importance of these guidelines and then he sort of talks about how, you know, New York is is so different and New York needs, you know, a different solution and that, you know, what works for one place doesn't work for New York and for other places. And, you know, that's great, but it also still doesn't really answer the question other than to plant the idea in the listener's head that New York is so different that because it's different, my plan is right because I know New York and how different it is. And that is <laughs> doesn't really um, answer anything or prescribe any action other than reinforce in the listener's head that Cuomo knows what he's doing because he knows so much about how New York is so different from everywhere else. Yeah, and I love this part here where he says, that's every number you see, that's every fact you know, there's no doubt. So, you know, that... Think about that repetition, right? It's like, that's every number you see. That's every fact you know. So we have seeing and then knowing. We have numbers that you're seeing, facts that you are knowing. And then as that's why that sentence just really goes into a person's head because of the repetition and because he has these kind of two different categories, you know, the numbers and the facts and then the seeing and the knowing. And he just starts to switch them apart. And so that type of sentence is inherently persuasive because of its structure. And, you know, the guidelines thing there is really interesting. But at the end was my favorite part of this where he says, you know, the reporter goes, you know, what do you make of the president's team saying that anyone who has visited NYC should quarantine for two weeks? And second, will you self-quarantine since you were in NYC yesterday? And of course, you know, this Cuomo does not want to answer this question, right? <laughs> like no politician wants to answer. Are you going to self-quarantine? Like, yeah, right. He's not going to say that. Um, they're just trying to pin something on him. And 
he just looks at him and I mean, this is where you get the idea. This guy really knows how to think on his feet. Um, he just looks at him. He doesn't even, he doesn't even move. It's kind of like a confrontation and he just says self quarantine in New York state. And it's like the reporter doesn't know where to go with that, you know, because in a way he's answering a question, but he's, he's doing something which is reflecting back to the person reflecting back to them. This is actually a negotiation strategy. Okay. He's reflecting back to them what they said. And, the effect of that is that the person now has to clarify what they said and to get their own thoughts out there even more. So he says self-quarantine in New York state. Well, the president said that anyone in New York city, you know, has to quarantine in New York city. And he goes, no, you, you don't understand. If you were in New York city, you got to quarantine in New York state. So we got this kind of, you know, and he says, I'm going to quarantine in New York state. And then he smiles. So he has this, because New York City and New York State share, you know, the same two words. He has this little ambiguity about which one he is talking about. Is it city or is it state? And then he just confuses the person. And the reporter is so confused, he doesn't know where to go with it anymore. (laughs) He has no idea what to do. And then, you know, the reporter kind of goes and says, well, what do you make of that dictum? And then... Cuomo here, I mean, this is how you know it's spin, right? This is total spin. That is a that's a medical advisory. You know, that's a medical advisory. And, you know, the most important... And then he goes on to tell us about his life strategy, right? The most important <laughs> thing in life is to know what you don't know. I don't know medicine. And so I would turn to the doctor. And he looks to the... To the, and this is why I said at the beginning, the doctor is such a yes man, okay? And the doctor just sits there, puts on this huge smile, and then goes, you need to follow CDC. And here's what the CDC said. And the reporter is like, you know, well, the feds are saying, if you're in New York City, you should quarantine for two weeks. And the doctor says, and I'm quoting here, I would not follow that. <laughs> you know, I would do what the other guidelines say. And it's like, whoa, what in the world just happened there? Like you have supposedly a doctor who is going against a quarantine guideline that the White House has put out. Like that's, you know, that's so powerful. I, I don't even know what to say, you know, other than that. It's, it's just so incredible. All right. I think that's all the time we've got for today. Head on over to subliminallycorrect.com. You can head into the top right corner where you'll be able to support us at our Patreon page and, you know, become a friend of the show. And that really, like Taylor said at the beginning of the show, it helps keep us on the air during these gloomy times that, you know, people really need a podcast that they can listen to every single week. And if you really love the show and you want others to know about it, go to iTunes, rate us five stars, and then tweet us your questions, comments, at SubliminalPod, and head on over to our Facebook page and leave us all of your comments, thoughts, ideas, and maybe even some guest ideas that we can reach out to. Uh, That's it for this week. Tune in next week for even more Subliminally Correct.